Hello, everybody. Glad to have you all back for another episode of the podcast. Have to say that after taking a bit of a hiatus at the end of the year, I've been really enjoying getting back behind the microphone to do these episodes. And furthermore, I love getting the feedback and support from you, the listener. So please keep that up. City of Champions is a proud member of the Alberta Podcast Network, powered by ATB. If you're not aware uh, of the Alberta Podcast Network, it's a great organization, supports Alberta podcast producers by highlighting homegrown talent and collating us all into one place so you can find content. Uh, one thing, uh, one that I think you might want to check out after this particular episode is Modern Manhood. It's a series of interviews towards understanding the many different views of masculinity, and it's hosted by German Villegas. I think I got that right, Villegas. My guest today is Marty Forbes, and he's a part of the legendary Forbes family, which has been a mainstay in Canadian radio broadcasting for over half a century. Marty's father, Jerry Forbes, was a very important person in the city of Edmonton. He started Ched Radio Station early in his broadcast days, and over 60 years ago began the incredible Santa's Anonymous charity, which to this day delivers 25,000 toys yearly uh, to kids in need of Christmas miracles. Marty, along with his brothers Jerry and Gord, all followed in their father's footsteps pursuing careers in radio. Marty's career spanned 38 years, uh, plus a little bit, as creative director, program director, uh, vice president slash general manager. Since, quote unquote, retiring in 2008, Marty has run his own company doing media and marketing consulting. Marty's extensive management career is rivaled only by his public service record. He's raised tens of millions for charities of all shapes and sizes and was recognized with the Queen Elizabeth Diamond Jubilee Award for Community Service. Most recently, Marty played a key role in the development of the Jerry Forbes Center, which we talk about at the start of the podcast. I could talk about Marty all day uh, and his accomplishments, but instead, why don't I let him speak for himself? Without further delay, here's my conversation with Marty Forbes. Marty, thank you so much for joining me today. Appreciate you coming in. Honored to be here. Honored to be remembered. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, your your guy's been in the news and sort of radio media industry for four over four decades, almost five decades. It'll be uh, Jan- June first, 1970, I started. The same day CanCon started in radio. <laughs> and I mean, in that time, you've, you've kind of, like anyone with longevity in the industry, worked a, a whole gambit of positions, mostly in management. Um, so you've got lots of great stories to tell. But before we jump into that, I want to say congrats on the Jerry Forbes Center Thank you. opening. Thank you. Uh, that was what September last year. It opened? Yeah, a soft opening. We were uh, we were just filling the place and then getting really really close. Sometime in April there'll be a grand opening and uh, of a synergy center mm-hmm. of twenty uh, public service groups. It's a beautiful building. It's all brand new, stunning, and uh, it's going to be quite cool. Very neat. What was the what was the genesis of that? Like, what, who was the first person that stepped up and said, "Like, we need a we need a place to, to bring everyone together to house you know similar thoughts and ideas?" And sure. Well, it, it was. I, I guess it all started with the start of Santa's Anonymous, which Dad started at Ched in, in the basement on, of a downtown location that they're not there anymore. 1955, with just a couple of hundred toys and the staff, and has grown to be, as Dad used to call it, the social fabric of Edmonton. I've yeah. always loved that line. That's a good one. And uh, uh, literally 10 years ago, Doug Rutherford, who ran uh, Chorus Radio in Edmonton, 
uh, called uh, a lady by the name of Debbie Walker, me and Gordy Whitehead in and said, uh, guys, we've outgrown Santa's Anonymous. We can't run it out of the building anymore. And for two or three years, they kept moving the full operation uh, to a different place. And sometimes they're in buildings with no heat and no parking. And it was just, they were, it was terrible. Makes it hard for people to want to come and volunteer uh, when, when this, uh, the conditions aren't the greatest. Absolutely. Yeah. So, so the first ask was literally find a home for Santa's Anonymous. Mm-hmm. And then the craziest thing happened. <laughs> we we started at the top and got a hold of as many business leaders as we possibly could and, and all arms of government. And almost every single person that we talked to said, well, you know what, what if we did this? Or would you be open to changing it to this? And I have to give Stephen Mandel the credit because he's the one really that said, you know, the city will support something like this. But if he made it bigger, let's say you had a building and you and you know you had uh, a kind of pooled resources, would you be interested in that? And that's that's how it started. And then we went to Dave Hancock and uh, and the feds, and one by one, everybody had a little different idea on how to make this uh, this center better. Well, it was a it was a long ten year haul, mm-hmm. and uh, we went through tons and tons of board members, and almost gave up a number of times until uh, until the current board and Brian Farrell uh, literally found a, a beautiful building um, that was that was you know affordable and met our needs, and uh, we cut a deal with with this company, and uh, got in and started renovating, and uh, and away we go. Well, so what's Brian Farrell doing with the organization? Uh, he, he was the head of our board at this point. Gotcha. Uh, he's an accountant by trade yeah. and uh, very connected in the city. Yeah. And, and we uh, interviewed he, him for Grant Stock. Oh, did you? Okay. Grant are good buddies. Yeah. Worked as sort of a pseudo manager for Grant for a lot of years. Well, there's there's 300 people that make the city tick. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> and, and it's just a domino. <laughs> Is it the biggest little city or the littlest big city? Uh, it's a community. It's a community. It's a true community. It's a, it's a big city of, of a very diverse community, but really care about them. We care about each other. So, I mean, at the Jerry Forbes Center now, there's 20 not, not-for-profit organizations Correct. going. And obviously, the sort of the anchor tenant is Santa's Anonymous. Is that Christmas the, Bureau as Christmas well. Christmas Bureau as yeah. well. And they, uh, Santa's has the, the storage area and an office. Christmas mm-hmm. Bureau and all the rest of them have offices. There's a, a giant amount of storage in the back, totally accessible through, uh, you know, seven days a week, 24 hours a day to get in and, and uh, get th- get your secure. Uh, and, but most of, the, most of it is designed on synergy of bringing in special guests and teaching 20 groups, uh, you know, one receptionist, one lawyer, one photocopier, and, and then to make it a, a really nice spot of pride. If you if you look at the downtown core of Edmonton, a lot of these groups have been forced out of old brick buildings mm-hmm. uh, around around the ice district there, and where they had free parking in the alleys, and well, that's all gone. Mm-hmm. So they've been able to save a substantial amount, and then bring their uh, their patrons into a beautiful, comfortable, respectful setting. Right. It yeah. makes it makes sense to sort of just collate everything and make it more organized. Absolutely. So your your father, who it's named after, obviously a huge influence guy in Edmonton and and in your industry uh, you know tell us a little bit about him well I, I as you say I grew up in a radio family there's three other three brothers Gordy Jerry and me and then dad was uh, the general manager of Ched which was literally the biggest radio station outside of outside of Toronto. It was a massive radio station. Isn't that funny? Up, That's always our claim to fame. We've got the biggest outside of Toronto. Yeah, the That's tallest it. building. Yeah, outside of Toronto. <laughs> well, the world does end in Mississauga. Yeah. And and Ched was a, a hugely powerful radio station. And the Top Forty era was was absolutely a riot. I mean, mm-hmm. it was it was a great time in music. 
uh, and a great time in radio. And, and Dad believed in this uh, so well that uh, literally the entire staff bonded, the city bonded, and has become, I, I think, one of the biggest charities uh, media-wise across, if not Canada, maybe even all of North America. Chad has? Yeah. Wow. Santa's Anonymous, yeah. That's that's incredible. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, you obviously get your spirit of giving back. Uh, you've, you know, received a number of awards and, and you, you know, obviously play a huge role in the, you know, giving spirit of Edmonton. So, I imagine you would have got that from your dad as a role model. Where did he get that from? Boy, that's a great question. <laughs> He, he was six foot five, like a giant of a man, and carried a pipe and a cowboy hat and wore cowboy boots. So he liked his scotch too. He loved his scotch mm-hmm. and, and his fireplace and a deep thinker and, and very heavily involved in the, in the culture of Edmonton. And, you know, as, as a kid, 14, 15 years old, with me wanting to get into radio, I used to sit with him and just chat, right? And that was one of the top five things that he told me is don't ever forget the power of your radio station. Mm-hmm. I know the Chorus Radiothon is on right now. I mean, they raised millions of dollars in, in, in terrible time in the economy mm-hmm. because the people in Edmonton look after each other. And he recognized that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he passed away way, way too young. He passed away at age 58. And I was very lost with it for a good couple of years. Uh, but when I came back to Edmonton, I knew, you know, I've got to carry on this name. Mm-hmm. I, I carry his name. Right. Um, so it, it it certainly wasn't any negative pressure to go, this makes sense. Right. And I was fortunate enough to run The Bear, which is a very powerful radio station as well. And uh, we launched The Bear's Kids Fund. I think the first year, I can't remember the exact figures, selling, selling station logo shirts, we sold, I think it was $275,000 worth of clothing. Right. That all went into wow. yeah the Bears Kids Fund, and then we started uh, you know doing a number of projects where the money would be directed to groups who had a hard time getting money from other uh, areas of the city. Mm-hmm. So and then one thing just led to another. I got invited into the United Way in 1991 by by Harry Buttle, a legend in the in the city, and found myself in a room of of 30 business leaders and looking around at names you would know real well. I mean the Don Wheatons of life, the Don, mm-hmm. you know Bill the Y. And, and found out how important it was to, to pay it forward in the city sincerely. And, mm-hmm. then, and there's a difference between writing a check and being sincere. Right. And in this city, um, you know, you find also that the spouses are very powerful. I'm sitting beside Ann Sather, okay? Yeah. <laughs> and, and, Glenn and she's and I, got Glenn's ear pretty good. Yeah, yeah, and Glenn will be phoning me, complaining about something that the bear guy said on the air. And, oh, by the way, Marty, Ann says hello. And you go, that's how this city works, right? Yeah. And to this day, that's how it works. Is now, and now the sons of or daughters of uh, are the next uh, group of leaders in the city that, that accept that mantle. Mm-hmm. Did you find there was a, a particular age or maturity level that you got to before that kind of clicked and you go, I get it now? Yeah, another great question. When my daughters were born. Okay. Yeah. Um, when, when my daughters were born in rock radio, <laughs> it was just too much fun. The, the entire 70s was just pure insanity. And right. as Jimmy Jerome referenced, and you know, did a whole bunch of things we want to keep quiet now. But <laughs> the, the second my daughters were born, uh, I was actually sitting at home one night going, do I want to keep this lifestyle up? Because if I do, I can see the journal headline, radio executive, Jerry Forbes' son dies of. <laughs> and I go. And nothing uh, after that would be good. This is not good. Yeah. Right? 
And, and I felt so bad my dad didn't get to meet my kids. I thought, you know what, I'm going to channel all of my resources mm -hmm. to make sure my kids are proud of me. And, mm -hmm. I, and that's what's driven me since the day my dad died. Right. So, I mean, as a, uh, you know, as following in, in your dad's footsteps, let's say, what point did you know, I want to, I want to go into radio? Well, it was, it was literally watching. Is there any question? Like, was it ever no. like a, it was never like, maybe I will. It was like, no, I'm going to do that. No. Dad and mom divorced in 1961. Okay. We, we moved to Toronto and each year we'd come back and spend summer here mm -hmm. and then go back for school uh, from September onwards. And I'm the oldest of the three. And in 1967, I just didn't go back home. Mm -hmm. And I started hanging around Ched and uh, after school, going down at five o'clock and sitting in with the guys on the air. And, and these were legends. I mean, the West Montgomery's and the, and the Bob McCord's and some of the news guys and, and uh, creative guys. And I just got into the total atmosphere of watching how much fun. I mean, mm -hmm. they didn't pay, I didn't pay for a concert in 30 years. I mean, I, the, <laughs> the lifestyle. Line, the line is, if, it doesn't, if it's not in a booth with a beef bit or beef dip and a Chardonnay, I'm not going. Yeah. And we were, they were flown everywhere. I mean, you, you fly into, into see the Beatles and fly home and stay in top restaurants and everything's looked after. It was mm -hmm. just, just an amazing lifestyle. So I knew real well, but I couldn't work here because of, of nepotism. So that's why I had to, I started in Kamloops right. and got into Calgary and, and worked for Moffat after that. And my goal was was literally to be a general manager. I, mm -hmm. I very young knew that dad was, I wanted to quote, beat my dad. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> I, I haven't, That's there's no buildings named after me. Not yet. <laughs> Not yet. There's still time. <laughs> but, it, but it really drove me and, and I just knew how much, how much, and, and it's hard work. I mean, to be, to be good in this business, it, it's, mm -hmm. it isn't free like any other business. I had to work hard. Mm -hmm. I had to cross the country a couple of times too. and, and uh, Get into some some pretty high level stuff, but I always knew that the you know the day I, the first day I sat at the bear mm -hmm. and closed the door as a general manager, I looked over at a picture ahead of my dad and I went, "I'm here." Yeah, that's amazing that you <laughs> yeah. had that moment. Did you start on air? Or did you always start? Um, actually, started. To, I was looking. Th I looked through an article the other day. Somebody sent me. I didn't even realize my dad started as a writer at mm -hmm. CFRN mm -hmm. late forties. And I started as a writer, and I also did weekend swing, and I was terrible. What's weekend swing? Uh, it was on the air on the weekend, so yeah. you would Monday to Friday on air, and then you'd fill in on the weekend. Gotcha. So, so I I did general manager. My brother Gord did sales manager. Yeah. And he was sales manager in Vancouver for thirty some years. Ended up for the Vancouver Canucks business, and then brother Jerry mm -hmm. is literally one of the top morning men in the in the country. Mm -hmm. So we would all hover at at uh, Christmas with dad and. and say it wasn't really Christmas it was a convention so it was kind of <laughs> talking neat. business it's a yeah. write-off Christmas is a write-off that's all radio guys do <laughs> so it was it was kind of neat to use him as a driving uh, driving force but each of us went kind of our own different route yeah yeah that's that's remarkable and and no one ever regretted it down the line not a bit yeah. we, we look back now and and my, my favorite say I'm the luckiest guy in the world I got mm -hmm. to see the world I got to meet the most interesting people mm -hmm. uh, you know attend some of the greatest events and no, I'm very fortunate so radio to me is 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 a strange it's in this no man's land for me because growing up you know as a kid in high school or, or elementary school getting driven to school we'd let my mom and I would listen to the radio right so I'd flip the station so I found a song I'd like I never really listened to like sports or talk radio or anything like that and then by the time I got my first car actually my very first car um, was 2010 and it had Bluetooth and that was like Where right after the iPhone came out. So I just went to straight from from 
like into listening to music all the time yeah. in the car. So radio to me isn't, I don't fully understand it. Right. So how did it start in terms of like, what was the goal of radio back say when your dad was getting started? What was the mandate? You know what, it, it, it when you look back, it almost <clears throat> sounds like cliches now, it, it isn't and it, and it wasn't. Serving the community is mm-hmm. what radio became powerful for. The, the day that transistor radios were invented and it came out of the house was massive. Mm-hmm. The day that the the uh, you know iPhone, iPhone and iPods changed that became massive, these giant growth. But, but the radio was all owned locally, run locally, and the stars were all local. I mean, okay. you ran into these guys everywhere at, at all kinds of events. At about well, I left in 2008, so about that time consolidation was happening, and one by one, all of that local ownership and local management and local decisions left, and a lot of the stars left, and a lot of the, the, the people that you used to listen to the radio station, so now you have a choice. Mm. So instead of saying, that's this radio station I live, eat, and breathe with, yeah. you know, a station like the Bear would be a great example. That was a lifestyle. Mm-hmm. It was a psychographic. People love the lifestyle of this irreverent bear kind of stuff. Right. So it's almost like an ideology. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, it was very, very cool. Whereas now, you, you know, you can self-program, you mm-hmm. know, a la carte. You know, it's Spotify is just genius. Mm-hmm. I mean, I read their stats today. 200 million people are Spotify members. Seriously? Yeah. Wow. 200 million people yeah. are on Spotify. And and the magic of sharing it. So if you mm-hmm. and I have a common goal, and I said, I just did a, you know, a playlist on, I can email you 5,000 records yeah. for, for $9. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, wow. So that that's what's really changed for the millennial uh, generation. I, I, I still think there's room for... You know, radio stars. Mm-hmm. I still think you know the people that eat, love, breathe, and enjoy entertainment. I mean, Jimmy Jimmy Jerome talked about it. Mm-hmm. He's a perfect example of that guy should be on the radio. Yeah. He's he's damn funny. Yeah, well, he should be anywhere that the most number of people are going to be able to listen. To Absolutely. Him, right? So he so now he's into into podcasting and and emceeing and events like that. And and we joke about it. I wish I wish I had worked with him mm-hmm. because he's he's kind of like every every radio station has. And it's usually morning guys you know guys that need kid gloves to manage and prop up and tell them they're great and then in a nice way scold them as opposed to be you know authoritarian and you can't do this and you can't do that you know, almost like enabling them giving them just what they need yeah. to, to succeed without really showing them the reality of the situation absolutely yeah you know and you know my brother being a morning man is the greatest we we to this day talk radio or text radio every single day mm-hmm. right and so it's, it's all about guidance you know what's what's the line on this what's the line on that so that and I'm I'm working with uh, Nate. Just finished the Grey Cup Festival, working with six of these kids, and, mm-hmm. and they're very very bright and they're very very eager and they and they want to perform and they want to learn. So I'm hoping that kind of radio will shift a little bit back to that mm-hmm. in, in the states where. Clear Channel would have 1,200 radio stations. They're starting to break them all off now and selling off some regional ones. And so I, I'm hoping that uh, we follow there a little bit. So it's decentralizing. Yeah. There. Yeah, there's a bunch of groups saying, well, wh- why are we in Des Moines and New York at the same time? Right. <laughs> yeah, no, that makes it, sense. It, it's not just a machine that plays records anymore. You can do that anywhere mm-hmm. else. So so I'm really hoping, and there are there's still an awful lot of, of that in town. I mean, mm-hmm. there's there's still a bunch of guys that are really self-driven. Garner Andrews, I just, you know, the guy's an amazing guy and works mm-hmm. his, his tail off. And there's some other morning shows that, that, you know, work hard, but I still think there should be more of it. Right. Mm-hmm. It, where do people primarily consume the radio? Is it mostly in, in cars while driving? 
I mean, you, you would know the stats on this. Um, generally, yes, and especially in a winter city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, we're, we're in the cars here and, and, uh, and need information, uh, roads and weather, uh, more so than some other. But it really is splintering now. I mean, mm-hmm. it really is. You can listen to radio anywhere at any time. Uh, if you have the TuneIn app, you can, you know, if, have you seen the Teslas where you get in and you can dial TuneIn on a Tesla? Oh, okay. Yeah, you can. I'm driving in Phoenix with with a buddy about a year ago, and he's showing off the car. And he said, "What's what city do you want to listen to?" Yeah. We just dial in Edmonton. And, oh, and so it's can, crystal clear. Interesting. Yeah. So even if you're if you're a snowbird down in Palm Springs for the winter, crystal you clear. can still get your yeah. uh, your Edmonton sports radio. Yeah. That's yeah. unbelievable. Yeah. I, I listen to a lot of UK radio. I love I love Capital FM and Heart FM over there. It's yeah. crazy. And and so are you consuming mostly? Um, like the talk radio stuff or are you consuming their music or like you know what's 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 <laughs> I, the break i have an insatiable appetite for media um yeah my my variety is massive i mean i i, I drive in the car listen to to local i'm listening to to the breeze as they flipped because it used to be or sounds like easy rock that i used to run mm-hmm. uh then i'm a satellite guy I, I love a couple of formats there and then i get home and i'll dial in and and i'll hear about a new act or or whatever and i'll, mm-hmm. I'll consume that podcasting is is huge in my life now mm-hmm. i've got four or five that i absolutely love and i never listen or never miss them who are the who are your top guys, or guys? um industry wise matt Cundell at sound off podcast okay. it's an industry one but it's related to media and it's absolutely tremendous mm-hmm. carrie doll who XCTV uh, six o'clock just started a new one about two or three months ago. It is very compelling, mm-hmm. and she's one of the top interviewers. If you want to listen to to skill, yeah, he's, re- he's jotting it down right now. Yeah. It's a tremendous one, and and uh, uh, the, my all time favorite is called Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. Wait Wait Don't Tell yeah, Me. Yeah, yeah, and what it is 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 NPR in the states is massive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's they're in every single city in this in the states pretty well and they gather uh every friday it's released every friday i'm not sure when it's recorded and they move it around the country and what it is is a group of comedians Mm -hmm. dealing with today's news with special guests Mm -hmm. so they'll be making fun of trump and say what's who's on the phone well it's william shatner and they get into with william shatner like actually william shatner yeah yeah okay (laughs) yeah or cindy lopper or whoever Mm -hmm. is a new movie Mm -hmm. and they will play a game with the with the people the listeners uh, all on current news-based stuff. So right. it's it's very, very funny stuff. Paula Paul Stone, Paul Stone, I didn't realize how, how damn funny she is, right? Yeah, it's, it's you know, with the accessibility of, of everyone, we can really get let these personalities shine through. Absolutely. Right? Before, like, it was the case if, you know, you like a movie star or, or a musician, for example, you'd see them perform on screen or in concert and on the, on the album, and that was kind of it. You never had this yeah. access to them. But, like, at what point does it ever become too much? Where it's like, all right, like, enough's enough yeah well the strong will survive like I'm, I'm working on a template with with radio stations where I call it short form on the radio long form digital mm-hmm. and when, when like podcasts have grown because a lot of the content has been taken off regular television or mm-hmm. regular radio or it's been limited so somebody will do a great 10 minute interview with somebody and it'll go you know 
35, 40 seconds on the radio and you right. go, what? <laughs> yeah. I want to hear more kind of stuff. Yeah, exactly. So so my template is let's give the best that we can on radio, but mm-hmm. tag it with, go hear Michael Bublé talking about his kids' right. scenario with cancer on the podcast. Mm-hmm. So there's no, no length required. There's no editing required. It's pure and raw, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's kind of why I think podcasting is growing. And we were we were talking about it's kind of it's like a specialist club. My motorcycle thing is a great example. Just keep hitting me with motorcycle information. Right. I don't want to miss anything or travel. And that's why I think podcasts are growing. Is it's these specialty clubs that say I don't want to miss this. This mm-hmm. is a good one. Yeah, yeah. But as as the the prevalence of podcasts increases, so you've got you've got more and more content switching to that platform. You're almost seeing this hierarchy develop where you know because you've got such a limited amount of time you know and the format's becoming longer and longer you have to almost make trade-offs of like you know okay am i gonna listen to a joe rogan that's three hours am i listening to tim ferris that's one hour and you know like i i've got too many podcasts to keep up with and i don't even have that many i've got like yeah. three that i listen to regularly yeah. and anytime someone makes a recommendation it's like gotta go somewhere on the list yeah you just run out of time and you know worry about efficacy of knowledge consumption too like you know there's only certain times that i can listen and actually absorb sometimes it's just mindless right so yeah. if i'm just listening to people talk or tell stories i can do it while i'm cooking or cleaning or, or whatever around the house but you know only times that i'll actually learn is when i'm either walking around or and have my earbuds in or, or something yeah. like that so well, an old great consultant used a term called the lemming theory, and I think we're in the lemming theory right now. Okay. And the lemming theory is basically, um, you know, something starts to happen, and then, you know, the one lemming gets to the side and he jumps off, and then 10,000 lemmings follow that lemming. Right, okay. like the head steer. Correct. Yeah. And I think, I think you find that with podcasting, too, is that there may be half a million out of there, but I, I, I've whittled mine down to 12. Mm-hmm. <laughs> if you're going to break through, you better have one of those really good ones. Yeah. And it, it, and I think you touched on it with Jimmy too. It has to be something that is different than, than normal media. And I've, I've been to a couple of, of seminars. Um, Colin Powell, one time in San Francisco, he went for 90 minutes and I wanted more. Mm-hmm. Like I could have sat there for another two or three hours and don't stop talking. Yeah. Obama, when Obama stops, the world stops for me, yeah. right? You yeah. know, and I missed his wife, I had to give my ticket away. I would have done anything to hear Michelle speak as well. Yeah. So so getting, getting you know, uniqueness and quality of conversation, the length shouldn't matter if it's good. Mm-hmm. And I think those are the ones that are gonna survive. I, I think, I, I've seen an awful lot of people, you know, throw a general effort out there and then bail and say well we can't make it work or we can't sell it such and such mm-hmm. and that and that's what's going to happen do you think people are becoming more or less educated on average um with with all these distri- new modes of distribution for information um, i'll tell you what it's hard and you mean there's nothing more frustrating than turning on one of your appliances and finding out it's they've changed everything mm-hmm. you know and i, I i'm an early adapter i love i love digital i love doing stuff but it's i can we're talking about jimmy Jerome again but here's a guy that he can't he can't even find his phone what he's, he's, <laughs> he's got four facebook sites that he can't find out how to cancel yeah okay so i you just start thinking of everything that has gone digital if you were traveling without a cell phone now and mm-hmm. you got bumped off you are screwed oh for sure right yeah. so so 
the, the rush to, to get into platforms and then change everything is extremely frustrating. It mm-hmm. should all be, what's the one line, Steve Jobs used to use it, you know, three clicks to commerce. Right. You should never make somebody go more than three clicks to find whatever info. Mm-hmm. And, my, and my tolerance when I'm searching is exactly that. If I hit your page and it doesn't load, thanks, see you yeah. later, you're gone. Yeah. That's, that's the bad part about technology now. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just this flood of stuff and then they change it. <laughs> mm-hmm. But I mean, in terms of like the the absorption of material, like so, so the example I'll use is, you know, instead of watching Fox News an hour and it's just little segments and, you know, maybe three minute interviews that are chopped up and edited. Now you've got a way higher number or larger number of people, you know, watching hour long lectures from Jordan Peterson or watching debates between Ben Shapiro and, Ted Sam, talks. and Sam Harris. Yeah. Ted talks are a great yeah. example. That was sort of the, the forefront of these. And I mean, I just, I know me personally, I'm consuming more of this stuff than ever. And I, I feel like I'm learning a lot. Now, what I struggle with is that I don't necessarily have the platform to put it into practice and to yeah. debate it and talk about these ideas. Like it's all consuming, consuming, consuming. Yeah. There is a quote and I'm, I'm totally going to miss, um, misattribute it, but it's written by a couple guys in, in the forties, the big media guys. And they basically said, you know, like everyone feels that consuming all this information, they, they vicariously are being productive. But by the time you, you know, you go home and you've listened to your favorite news station and you've read your second newspaper yeah. of the day, it's really, you know, you're pretty tired and it's time to go to bed. And it's, yeah. it's like, that's what I feel like. I'm consuming all this, but there's no, there's no outlet for it. Yeah. <laughs> the same consultant I referenced had a term a generation back called it video guilt. He says, mm-hmm. walking into a house and seeing 30, you know, videotapes sitting on the... <laughs> <laughs> on the thing it, television changed my generation changed things when it went from you have to be on six o'clock at six to watch 60 minutes that was the only way you're going to get it mm-hmm. you were forced to watch that mm-hmm. your generation through dvrs and time shifting and everything has changed all that my, my daughters don't watch or read or listen to anything traditional because mm-hmm. they know they can find whatever they want instantly and listen view or read mm-hmm. instantly and yeah, if, if you if you have an interest around the world, you know it, it's hard to keep up <laughs> with right. everything. I mean, I I can't tell you how many newspapers a day I still digitally read, or, right? Or, or or how many sites I did. I, I love the new thing <laughs> that uh, is showing up. How much time you're on? Oh no, that's, that's terrible. Scary. I just yeah, tell super scary. I should get out speak to a human being because what uh, <laughs> what do you spend most of your time on? Um. I'm a, I'm a Twitter junkie. Yeah. Um, I use Facebook for, I call it family and friends, mm-hmm. but I use Twitter for business. Mm-hmm. And I, I follow key people and I follow key media. And I just I just source anything I possibly can that I find through Twitter, mm-hmm. and then my whole my whole brain with Twitter is sharing. So if you if you look at mine, other than getting hauled into some Battle of Alberta or some other stupidity from time to time, is, is <laughs> that's indulgences. Yeah, Everyone exactly. understands that. Okay, good. Yeah, it is sharing what I've learned, and mm-hmm. and I think the nicest compliment that that you can get back from somebody is, hey, I follow you because you always have new or interesting stuff. Right. You know, if there's a trade in hockey, you know, and there's 19 or 20 feeds of exactly the same thing I, I don't do that right <laughs> okay yeah so I'll, I'll go and look for something interesting you know Netflix has this brand new series and here's a, here's a sample of it kind of thing right so that's what I that's what I basically use digital media mm-hmm. for so would you feel that you're a pretty good barometer of sort of what you know the a person would enjoy to consume like you you have good taste and stuff let's say yeah and, and you feel like you do <laughs> Well, I'm 68 years old. I don't act it. Okay. I don't. I don't feel it. 
Mm-hmm. I, I love living life, and to survive in media, you have to understand psychographics, not just demographics. Mm-hmm. Okay, and psychographics are lifestyle groups, and I love hanging with digital kids. Mm-hmm. I love hanging with millennials, mm-hmm. and I love, I love, you know, it's why I delve so deeply into digital, so that I don't get out of date. Right. right? And there's nothing better than, than sitting with somebody and you know helping them understand the way things used to be to adapt to their business now. So that's that's kind of what I throw in there, and I and I I just love my daughters and I listen to the same music, go to the same concerts. They, <laughs> they love having kids come over. I ride motorcycles. Yeah. You know, I travel all over. I'm I try to be as in touch as I possibly can. Mm-hmm. Right. And that's a struggle these days because it changes so quickly. But I'm not a I'm not a normal 68 year old. I wonder if you feel young because of your consumption habits, or your consumption habits are because you feel young. Probably a little of both. A little of both. Yeah, radio keeps life. radio keeps you young. Yeah. Um, if if you get on the radio and you're a day out of date, you're, you won't be on radio very long. Yeah. No, that's a good yeah. point. Um, so I want to talk to you about uh, your business now, radio wise, mm. consulting, um, marketing. And, uh, you know, so what's going on in your world there? Well, I'm, I'm really lucky in that when they sold the bear, uh, sold uh, the company for $1.8 billion is when I decided to retire mm-hmm. and the timing just worked out right. And I decided to, to, to reshape myself. I was only 58. I, I retired at 58 because dad died at 58. Mm-hmm. And that was my quest when he died. Fair. So <clears throat> I went down. I, we had a place in Phoenix for 10 years. I went down for three months by myself. Mm-hmm. And I said, how am I going to reinvent myself? I, I'm not going to go away and do nothing. I'm not right. a golfer. Mm-hmm. So I came up with RadioWise. And because I was fortunate in my career, I said, I'm only going to work with companies and people that I like that will listen to me and I'm not I'm, I want to lessen <laughs> my stress down to I'm holding up little fingers here yeah um, and one by one I started getting phone calls from Boston Pizza you know, people in Boston Pizza that I knew can you help us get into Twitter can you help us understand Facebook marketing mm-hmm. uh, tell us world of science I spent six years re- redeveloping all of their uh, content uh, and then bit by bit, everything started to end up being public service based. Mm-hmm. So for example, uh, John Cameron, Edmonton Singing Christmas Tree and Crescendo, I've been doing all of their media for over 10 years. Mm-hmm. And if it doesn't have a payback, if it doesn't have a public service uh, element, I just don't do it, mm-hmm. okay? So it's always about raising money and uh, helping people understand how to use digital media. Uh, where where I work it generally is how to how to merge your your traditional advertising with your digital advertising. Right. So for for traditional media, it's the carrier. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's the short form. All I for the Edmonton Singing Christmas Tree, I only need to sell one thing: Edmonton Singing Christmas Tree. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Go to my website. Go right. to my website. Right. And with the digital, what we're working with is is very heavy database, mm-hmm. seeing that instead of trying to advertise expensively for a million people, why don't we just talk to the people who bought tickets? Yeah. And we have the Live Nation database of Ticketmaster One, the fan builder, and we have the name, address, and phone number of every person who's bought a ticket for a decade. Mm-hmm. So we have our own digital department. We do all of our, our camera work, our video work, and our creative and production work internal mm-hmm. and take it out to our media partners. 
but most of it is that one-on-one -on -one contact. Right. Saying, hey, Shane, you went to the show last year. Did you enjoy it? Here's the seats you sat in. Would you like to sit in them right now? I'll hold them until tomorrow right. if you click here. Oh, scarcity. <laughs> three, I better buy this. Three clicks to commerce. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're more in the strategic side, it sounds like. Do you have much input in the creative side of this all, all of it. And the, the hardest part is with the turnover in media over the last six or seven years, you, you basically deal with new circumstances almost every year. Right. So format flips, um, new management, uh, decentralization. So that was our, our strategy change about four years ago. Went to John Cameron and said, John, we can't go into people who just got here who've never been to the city of Edmonton, have no idea what we're doing. Mm -hmm. So in, in all due respect, <laughs> it's not yeah. their fault, right? So we literally um, do, you know, we'll make a phone call to Len Rhodes mm -hmm. of the Edmonton Eskimos and say, Len, you've been to the show, you love it? Yeah, can we come and video you? Mm -hmm. No script, mm -hmm. done. What time are you here? Two o'clock, boom. Um, you know, Brad Ferguson, when he was with EEDC, a uh, number of people like that. Brian Hall. Mm -hmm. Brian loves the show. Brian, yeah. tell us about the show. Right. So we use that. So again, no restrictions on content, length. Mm -hmm. and, you and you know, know that word of mouth is the most powerful and version just, of advertising. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and, and share. The mentality of Twitter and Facebook is share it. Mm -hmm. So the numbers that we're getting in some of these things are staggering. They're, mm -hmm. they're absolutely staggering. You know, Carrie Dahl did one from, from her living room, again, with no script. It's just from the heart about her love of the show yeah. and I think the first week there was over 10,000 views on on this little digital wow. you know, little video that we did and are you guys going and filming this professionally or is it just pulling out the iPhone and saying alright give us a quick 10 seconds Carrie that's the crazy part yeah I mean some of it yes and some of it no we, we have a professional crew that develops and they'll go back and we always end them with a free sample from the show mm -hmm. so the message will be if you haven't been to the show enjoy a piece of it here right. but a lot of the interviews uh, with the people are short form are done on that and the mm -hmm. quality is phenomenal so I mean obviously someone who keeps contemporary what do you think of the uh, Gillette commercial that just came out <laughs> I'm interested to know your, your thoughts because you're you know like you're kind of a, a man in two you know foot in two generations here. yeah like well, I mean, some of the stuff, and the same with the Colin Kaepernick, you, the old guy in me goes, why would you go there? Mm -hmm. Like, conflict is conflict. And, the, you know, we used to say in radio, if you're going to change the format, you may get one in the front door, but two are leaving the back door. Right. And that that's the part I see with this. And, and I, don't, I don't debate anybody with politics on digital. There's no win. There's mm -hmm. absolutely no win. Mm -hmm. e even a, a well-thought, intelligent you know, response to somebody posting something about Trump is going to get hurled with crap at you. Of course. So when you see something like this, you, you, I'd love to talk to the marketing people and say, what, what was, what was the, the target? What, are you trying to create controversy? Because mm -hmm. surely you knew. Mm -hmm. where, or are you trying to sell? I mean, what, where, where in the middle of this process? And there was a young lady that was on Global uh, from one of the local agencies describing this. And again, it sounds like one of the, those demographic kind of things where we're saying, okay, well, we're going to piss off these guys, mm -hmm. but the millennials are going to love this. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that seems to be a lot of what they're doing there. I say, well, we're going to lose these guys sooner or later at the back end. You better start building from the bottom. But but I'm I don't think marketing should be be controversial. Uh, you don't think it's good to to blend politics? I don't and, think so. Really? Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, yeah. you have a, a much more experience in it than I do. I've I've got a couple thoughts about the Gillette commercial, and I think I think the problem with toxic masculinity and the accusations of it is that it's meant to make guys feel ashamed. Yeah. And there's there's research done by a guy named a social psychologist Jonathan Haidt, and he wrote a book and and. 
one of his findings was that if you want to change someone's mind, the worst strategy you can employ is to make them feel shamed or guilty. Yeah. That's that's not a good strategy to to come to an agreement or come to, you know, common ground with someone. Yeah. So a, a you've got, you know, guys that the guys in that commercial are made meant to look like buffoons, right? Yeah. Just idiots, which yes, tons of men yeah. have acted like that in the past. Um, but what's what's the end result? Right. Okay. What 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 are you doing this for? Is there an end? Is there a giant donation mm -hmm. that's going to go to Boys and Girls Club? What what's the end result? No, the end results to move product. It's an advertisement. Totally. Right. Same with same with Nike. You know, everyone's posting all their Nike um, gear in the garbage. Yeah. It's like hello, free advertising. Yeah. Whether it's on fire in the commercial or not. Yeah. You've still post. We've still got a thousand a billion impressions of Nike gear around the world, yeah. and that's. That's going to influence people. When I when I did my my United Way stint, and I did board and and uh, cabinet. Then it, my platform was: we're always asking, we're never telling what we do with the money. Right. Okay. So our hands are always out, mm -hmm. and this is the kind of case for me. I watch the Bell talks. Mm -hmm. Bell, let's talk. Mm -hmm. And and that's great. A whole country is going to do this thing. I haven't seen the end result. Right. I haven't seen them make a $10 million or $20 million or open the Bell Center for mental health. Like, where is that? And that's when I see things like this, I go, okay, is this, is this, this will be forgotten next week. Right. Right. I, maybe not. There's <laughs> maybe a lot not. of shit storm that's been, yeah. that's been uh, drummed up by this. But, it, but if I was on that marketing board, mm -hmm. that, that would be my end result. Okay. Is to have it forgotten? No, no. Is is have an end result? Yeah. Okay. Let let. Oh, I see what you're saying. Let let the you know let the volcano go. Right. But the end go here. Here were the good. Did you see um, Cam Talbot hand his goalie stick to the kid in the game last night? No, but funny share economy. I saw someone <laughs> post about him doing. There that. you go. Okay. Okay. There's the end result <laughs> yeah. of a guy who has been getting crapped on mm -hmm. like crazy, and then last night, if you if you check the the trending, I'm going to guarantee that little picture of him handing his goalie stick over to this kid mm -hmm. ripped my heart apart yeah okay so where where is where is the cam talbot handing to this thing or is this like it's a shaving <laughs> there is other competition right i'm not gonna quit i don't even know who i use <laughs> yeah. i gotta go pull that out and go yeah so oh, i guess i do use gillette oh, yeah oops right but but you know like I'm gonna I'm gonna go home drive home and I'm gonna donate to the chorus thing mm -hmm. I'm going to mm -hmm. okay that's the end result of that they're doing this good cause people are in these poor kids in the hospital doing this there's an end result of that right. with these marketing campaigns I I just don't I haven't found an end result yet I haven't yeah. found great news doesn't resonate with no you. no my problem is when people you know it's it's just it's a good idea in principle I think poor execution you yeah know, like some of the scenes they used for example and i'm probably taking way more of a psychological approach to this. you're taking a marketing approach but like you know they show two boy young kids roughhousing maybe six seven years old and, and the dad goes hey stop it that's not how we treat each other yeah yes it is yeah. rough and tumble play is is evidence in every single species across yeah. the planet it's young adolescents figuring out where their physical limits are, figuring out what they're able to get away with and, and you know, competing. Yeah. And it's saying, you know, men shouldn't be aggressive in X, Y, and Z. It's, 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 it just seems crazy to me because we, aggression is hardwired into us. And Absolutely. males show it through physical traits, yeah. uh, physical actions. Women tend to show it through more social aggression. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it's just, it's an interesting, I get it, but they just, poor execution. Yeah. Or the one guy who goes to, um, the girl's walking by him yeah. and he goes to talk to her and his friend's like, no, no, don't do that. It's like, 
What do you mean? He was going to talk to a girl and hit on her because he was attracted to her. That's literally how our species continues to exist is when a male and a female interact with one another. Figure that part out. Yeah. If you you spend a lot of time in the southern states, Mm -hmm. it's very different than up here, right? Right. Um, in reverse, while you're talking there, I was thinking my greatest joy is watching on Santa's Anonymous Day when it's 30 below and snow where the grandfather, the father, and the kids mm-hmm. are all donating. Because yeah. that tells me something really important. Of course. Yeah, <laughs> okay? yeah, absolutely. That core value of, of giving back is now going through. Mm-hmm. And, and sport, sports is a tough one with this. Yeah, you go to hockey arenas and you watch the dads screaming at the referees and <laughs> screaming at their kids. And, it, you know, at whatever age, like 10 to 12 years old, you want to go over and tap them on the back, oh, buddy, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Well, I think even the best of intentioned uh, sport parents, mother or father, uh, can get carried away some, sometimes. I have, a, I have a close friend who's got a daughter that plays hockey, and he's always talking to me about things that she's she's 12 or 13 now, and she, he's talking to me about things that the coach does or the, you know, the, the other parents are doing, and he's like, oh, I don't want to speak up or like this, but his daughter's one of the best players on the team. Yeah. And, wow. um, and so, you know, he when he bounces things off me, he's like, am I out of line here? Am I out of line? I'm like, I get what you're saying, but you're still going to come off as a, come across as a crazy hockey parent. And, and that's just, that's just, that's the way it is. That's just the way it is. Yeah. Right. And no matter how well intentioned you are, you're going to tread that line because as a parent, you want to see your kids succeed, right? No yeah. parents ever going to go, nah, I'm just going to let the other kids on the team have the best go of this uh, year with yeah. this coach. You know, it's like, no, no, I want my, my kid to improve and to, yeah. and to learn and grow. Well, I've, been, I've been enjoying Brian Burke and his stance on Sportsnet now and holding up the participation medal. I thought that was very cool. Oh, I missed I miss that yeah. one. But I, I, you know what? I like a lot of what Burke says. Yeah. And I, well, I like the way he says it. I like that he sticks up for his his core beliefs and he's like, you don't have to agree with me. I'm not yeah. saying that. Yeah. And I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. I'm just saying I don't like it's it. Me. Yeah. No, I'm with you. Yeah, he's old school. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you're going to continue on uh, this semi-retirement path for <laughs> un- until until what? What's the end goal for you? Well, you know, every every year I do the exact same thing, and I do it right after Christmas. And I look over at my wife and say, "Okay, I'm pulling back." And then I get a phone call. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the Grey Cup Festival was just a riot. Lynn Rhodes had me doing all the digital with the Nate kids, and it, it was a riot. Mm-hmm. I mean, I got a torn meniscus, so I'm sitting in the basement of the Shaw, you know, like the Wizard of Oz, doing all this kind of stuff, yeah. watching all the fun stuff. Are you going to get it repaired? Yeah, I'm on that waiting list. Which part of the meniscus? The, my left knee. Left knee? Yeah. I had mine done a year, just actually 13 months ago is it and it's it's great recovery was super Good. quick i had a, a bucket <laughs> handle tear so they just went in and just snipped out the inner, inner portion that's what i'm hoping yeah. and they said yeah you'll uh you'll have a way higher chance of arthritis in about 30 40 years and yeah, i said deal with it <laughs> I, I trust you guys will have figured out something to fix that by that yeah. point <laughs> <laughs> so no i i'm always open to interesting things i mean i'm really focused the, the one thing i'm thrilled about with the city is it really is coming full circle there's so many things going on mm-hmm. there there are so many good new restaurants and, and shops and and the whole uh you know support the local guy kind of stuff is going on yeah um but i built a new place out in on uh, laxane and water's edge out there and I'm, I'm getting into snowmobiling and and maybe boating and stuff like that yeah and i have a grandson who's two and a half years old who owns me and uh, so <laughs> 
<laughs> so I'm trying to trying to figure that balance of, of you know not getting out of touch and not right. hiding and right yeah that makes sense because you've got two daughters right yeah so this is sort of like the son that you didn't have almost, that's correct right? yeah oh, okay yeah. that must well, be fun for you well, my, my daughter my oldest daughter uh, figured out really really young mm-hmm. that if she wanted to have good quality time with her dad she yeah. should become a hockey fan oh, okay so she's a huge Oilers fan yeah. her, her bathroom for example is entirely painted Oilers and everything that is possible is in the bathroom. This is an adult daughter. Yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> That's amazing. And uh, we went over to, to Sweden on that trip. Yeah. Uh, and uh, she was smart enough to, you know, wiggle her way into that kind of thing. So she she understands and loves mm-hmm. Eskimos and, and Oilers. So Yeah. yeah. I, um, see, you know, I always love the diehard fans. It's, it's I'm, I'm spoiled having grown up for it, my dad being, you know, who he was. Yeah. And, you know, he's just, it's almost like you need to back off. Like, you, I feel kind of dumb, like, going to a game in a jersey and a hat yeah. and all. Like, you want to be a super fan. But when I see those super fans, like, hat, watch, like, hoodie, like, or jersey or whatever, just, like, everything on their body is Oilers and yeah. they paint their face for the playoffs. I just, I love seeing that because it's, like, it's so cool to see, like, anyone get that Absolutely. emotionally invested in something. Absolutely. And I've never wavered from day one. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'll, I'll get on there, I'll get mad at them, and mm-hmm. I'll crap on them. Yeah. Uh, certainly not with, with knowledge base like, like you and, and uh, the crew that you hang with, but, but fan stuff. Mm-hmm. And, Ben, you get hurled a lot of abuse now with social media, especially Calgary guys and all that. Mm-hmm. But I very proudly <laughs> have, have, you know, been an Eskimo and Oiler fan for a long, long time. Do you think if social media had been around in the Battle of the Birdies, Battle of the Birdies, Battle of the, uh, Battle of Alberta in the 80s, do you think it would have been more intense? Like, do you think that rivalry sort of fanned out a bit? Uh, well, I think the quality of the Battle of Alberta has. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it, some of the last indications are it's coming back, which right. I love. You know? I mean, that's, Calgary's 15 points out of us in the standings. Yeah, I know. I don't that, know if that, that doesn't can help. be said. Please don't make the playoffs, <laughs> Calgary. But, uh, no, that's a, that's a good point. I mean, it, it, social media, that was all there, but it was all said in bars and off. Yeah. It just wasn't. You know, we, we used to get mad in the decade of darkness right. all the way, but you'd say it to a friend. But now posting it... Goodbye, block or mute, whoever. Right? I don't get too worried about it. Do you think? Do you see like an echo chamber? Like, have you ever put out an opinion and then heard people like on the street or people you talk to like echoing your own opinion? That's kind of gotten telephoned down the wire. Uh, yeah, more more so. What I what I hate is is the jumping on mentality. I, I'll fight with you fair and square any time about it. Mm-hmm. But it's the jumping on mentality that I just what. What, you know, do you, what do you mean by that? Well, you find it in Calgary a lot. Okay, my brother's listening to this, but you know, you won't hear from them when they don't. You know, when there's nothing bad happening, but of if course. they beat Edmonton, all of a sudden, yeah. plan the parade, yeah, football or, or hockey. Mm-hmm. So the last two Grey Cups, when they got, you know. Throttled at the end, but if you send one thing out to a Calgarian, twelve of them jump on you on the way back. Yeah, it's not like that in Edmonton. Yeah, it isn't. Okay, I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna trust you. I try. You know, I I don't know. I consume like the top guys. I don't really get lost in the comments section too no. much. It's just that's that's not a game you want to get to play. No, but. Um, but what is fascinating, and, and again, I'm, I'm the old guy. Most of my old guys have all, all left from the old Northlands days and all that. But mm-hmm. you go to a game now and see, you know, the massive amount of money that's spent to get to a game for... It's it just it when, when you add it all up, I was in the sun seats the other day, and it was a $600 night. Yeah. And, and you get a bad game and they're wearing the $200 jersey plus the $12 beer and you go that fascinates the old guy and me right <laughs> yeah because I mean um, 
proportionately going to a game back in the 80s or the 90s was not anywhere close, even Absolutely. with inflation, even with all Absolutely. that. And, you know, obviously the product hasn't improved no. on ice. Yeah, no, it's maybe, fascinating. You know, maybe you're getting comfier seats, and but really what's changed? Yeah, no, I agree. What kills me is the in-game entertainment, too. Like, hasn't they haven't updated that. No. Like, you go and it's just... They're pumping music and people on the on the PA are yelling at you. Like it's just not enjoyable. No, they need to figure out something. No. A lot of a lot of the centralization of the way the game presentation follows what the NBA did, mm. and because our company standard, our company, their company held uh, brought the Raptors to Canada. Right. And to go to that game for the very first time and sit in that stand, you want to think loud. It just doesn't stop. Like yeah. every single break, there's there's something around you. Yeah. And I, and I agree with you. It's just some. It's and it's the choice of the music too. It's just what? Who's what, listening to this? Yeah. What gets me is like when they have the the fan meter or like the races on screen with the digital cars, and it's just like I look around and everyone's screaming at the TV and and it's just like this is just like mindless like barbaric like nature just be glad you're not at an NFL game spending $600 to stand for three hours that's, yeah that's fascinating I've gone to one of those I yeah. spent that money once in Seattle and I have to say pretty enjoyable <laughs> it's like a cult like you get like wrapped up in it we went to we went to Seattle and we we found this just random group of tailgaters a few blocks away yeah so we, you know we had our I had some Seattle stuff on me and and so they invited us in and said we're from Canada so yeah. next thing I know I'm racing these guys in shotgun battles and <laughs> And, and marching with them to the game, but like you really see how it's a religion there. Absolutely. And yeah. I don't think, I don't think hockey's quite like that here. No. It could no. be if we were winning. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you know, an interesting case is the All Blacks, right? Like they, I just spent some time in New Zealand, so kind of got a little bit to know their culture of sport. But they're so successful that like the team will lose one game, and all of a sudden the pitchforks are out. The, the torches are lit you know is the coach is his time over has, real life. Has, has he lost the dressing room you know this coach has like a 92% win record right yeah. like it's like <laughs> I think the players have, the players have had enough with him it's time for him to go and then of course he'll win another six straight and everything will be Where good and, yeah, yeah it's winning solves everything yeah. that's for sure no absolutely so you travel a lot in Europe yep what uh, you have any favorite go-to places uh, I got addicted to river cruising mm -hmm. and more so I think from a safety standpoint and I'm now lazy in my old age where I like to unpack once mm -hmm. oh, and fair. I want to yeah I'm not I, doing the hostel hopping anyway no I, I mean sitting on a beach in Hawaii is great but I just insatiable uh, desire to learn mm. and especially war everything is still war over there I mean you still bullet holes and walls and there's still yeah. in Germany no speeding for tank signs and yep. stuff like that mm -hmm. so the river the river cruises uh, all stop in little cities mm -hmm. and you have these little private tours with with live people it's not a recorded thing where you're not gonna hear it anyway and I mean you're you're in Napoleon's country house and you're being taught uh, the proper bread or crackers to eat with the camembert cheese that is made on site. Right. Right. Or when you're cruising down Germany, uh, France, and at dinner they come out and say, okay, the white wine is from this side of the country mm -hmm. and the red wine is from this side. What would you like? Yeah. And it's from right there. And then the entertainment comes on board from there. Mm -hmm. uh, I was in, in Finland. Was it Finland? Or Stockholm, I can't remember now. Where they oh, brought don't confuse those to no, the no. Scandinavians. <laughs> There's wars there. Yeah, but it was the Moscow 
dance team came out mm -hmm. and performed on this cruise ship they were on. It was just spectacular. I mean, just absolutely world-class kind of dancing. And I, I get in the elevator and there, there they are. Yeah. And I'm, I'm a talker. I, I walk through the parks and I'll, I've broken English and hands have conversation. Yeah. My wife laughs at me. But I just love going over there and, and, uh, and learning about the culture over there. Do you speak I'm, any other language? No. My no. daughters, my daughters are both bilingual. Yeah. But it doesn't help you when they're shy and in Paris, lost in Paris, and yeah. they won't speak. <laughs> so you have no qualms of you know trying to communicate with people, and it, they're broken English, and you're you're English. See, I always feel bad, like you know, because I'm the spoiled North American that only speaks English. So yeah. I go anywhere around the world; it's it's my language, and I feel bad for the other people trying to communicate with me. Yeah. So there's a little bit of like insecurity there. I feel bad about that, which I think kind of takes away from the moment of enjoying things too. Yeah. But. You know, some of the best conversations I've ever had have just been like, you know, we drink the local liquor and all yeah. of a sudden, like 20 minutes, half an hour later, you're you're having a great conversation that things are flowing a lot yeah. easier. The It's amazing. The only trouble I ever had anywhere is in Paris with a waiter who, when I asked for an English uh, menu, just picked up the French one and walked away. That's wow. the only time I've run into that. Um, the neatest one was in Prague when we went with the Phoenix Coyotes and Boston Bruins uh, five or six years back. Mm -hmm. And I said, I've got to find a guy 50 years old or older to chat with. And my yeah. buddy looks wise. Just trust me, right? So we go into this little uh, little uh, bistro, and uh, there's it could be any it could be Edmonton or San Francisco, one of those type. Mm -hmm. And the, there's kids with their social media. And they're chatting away and there's this one guy sitting at the bar and he's got a beer and a pizza and I go up he's watching soccer and I go up and small talk broken English mm -hmm. and I finally said look um, I'm from Canada I'd like to ask you some questions if if I violated if I offended you please stop me right away mm -hmm. but I said did you grow up in communism right and he looked over and says yes and I said what's what's the biggest take back on this what was that like well, I mean, it was, <laughs> he pointed at the pizza yeah he picked up the beer mm -hmm. he said this is my once a month allowance to to enjoy something of life mm -hmm. we have no pensions mm -hmm. we had no health care and you see those kids over there that pointing ones with their with the digital media and the smartphones and that and this is they have pensions we didn't have telephones you right. couldn't phone anybody mm -hmm. living in this country as I grew up and I, wow and that just brings a whole new damn lucky yeah, <laughs> I am no we shit. are and he says you can't catch up at my age so mm -hmm. this is my allowance this yeah. is my pizza and the beer they know me and I come here to watch the soccer because I don't have TV at home yeah wow <laughs> yeah I mean there's nothing like traveling to put things in perspective Absolutely. right Absolutely. see how other people live and, yeah. and you know talk about the history and, and what they've gone through like we're so spoiled absolutely here. That's, you know, it's yeah. tough to keep that in mind. Like even like the people worst off in this country are still better than 99%, oh. better off than the rest of the world. When, when people bitch here, I just, I shake my head. Have mm -hmm. you ever been anywhere? Have you ever done that? No. Well, get off your ass and get over there. Go, yeah. go see what the rest of the world yeah. has to do and put up with and that. And, well, London's my favorite city in the world. I really? Go, oh, most spectacular city in the How world. How many times have you been to London? Uh, three or four, I think. Okay. Yeah. 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 Why uh, and why is why is it stand out? It's everything. Yeah. It's it's all that culture. It's the monarchy. It's the combination of, of you know the Tower of London beside the spectacular new building. It's James the Bond. Shard. It's, they call it the Shard. Yeah, the giant egg, right? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. That's and, and City Hall is spectacular. 
But it's the it's the people. You get into a cab there, and, mm-hmm. and with a Cockney accent guy, you're, you're laughing. Yeah, super multicultural. Oh, absolutely. Sure. I spent three days there a few years ago, and that's the biggest takeaway. It was like there is every type of person in London you can yeah. imagine, and yeah. the city does not end. No, you just you go no. for as far as the eye can see, even yeah. when you get up on the top there. They yeah. have. Uh, I'm a cigar freak. <clears throat> they have the best cigar place I've been to in the world. Okay, it's by reservation only. It's White Glove. So you, you walk up to this place, you go in there, and you sit down, and it's a double-doored humidor, okay. which means here's a guy in a tuxedo with his white gloves. <laughs> they, they take you into the first door, mm-hmm. seal it, and then open the second door. So like an airlock system. A total airlock yeah. system. There's cigars from all over the world. There's not a price on a, on a single one. Mm-hmm. And again, they're lying. If you have to ask, you shouldn't be here. Right, right fair enough. So they'll, you will choose, do you have a such and such? Right. So they'll go grab it for you. In, in the UK, they punch cigars. In North America, we slice them. Mm-hmm. So when you slice them, the outside ends up falling apart or in your mouth, whatever. A V punch goes right into this thing and nothing falls apart. Oh, okay. So they take this torch, set it upside down, yeah. light it perfectly, reverse it, hand it to you. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a knighting ceremony. <laughs> Very much so, right? Well, are you not supposed to use torches? Are you supposed to use matches? The, Maybe no, no, you use a torch because it has to burn. A good cigar will not smell on your clothes if it's if it's lit properly. Interesting. Yeah. So it, what happens if, if you light one over here and the top part starts to go in the smoke, that's what goes on. Oh. A, a, a one where it's lit perfectly red yeah. and handed to you will not you can walk out of there not have to burn your clothes so having gone through this experience now are you then able to replicate that experience for not, your friends when you have them over only for my, cigars only on my deck our, yeah. our, our new place that we <laughs> we just bought and, and built the guys what's your priority and i said i want the biggest fucking deck yeah. <laughs> so i got a 60 foot deck and that's my happy place amazing and i've got my speakers are all alexa controlled mm-hmm. uh tied into my spotify okay so Alexa, put on that such and such. You're kidding. You're right set up. You're right current with everything. I think that's incredible. Um, I was going to say, I know Vietnam and Cambodia are on your list. It, to they are. To next. Yeah. I was fortunate enough to go there back in 2012. Awesome. So it was a little bit, we did the whole, um, the four countries there. So Thailand, Vietnam, Cambodia, and Laos. And it was, I'll be honest, a little bit of a party trip. I was 21 yep. with two buddies. Good for you. A lot of drinking, a lot of partying. Um, but we did take some time to, in Cambodia especially, experience some of the cultural stuff, with, especially with the war and the Khmer Rouge. So we went to, you know, S, I think it's called S7 is the prison there, and, and then yep. the killing fields. And that it's overwhelming. Was, that was incredible. Like yeah. that was just to, to know that something of that magnitude happened that recently, like Absolutely. 40 years ago, Yeah, 50 now, I suppose, yeah. but one generation it's, it's insane. <clears throat> and again, it's a great example of how lucky we are and, and puts things in perspective. And, um, I think too, the other, the other thing is that, um, we're just, that could happen again. You know, that could happen anywhere at any What's time. What's going on down South right now? Yeah. I, I, my stepfather fought in the war, lost his leg eventually uh, through uh, being shot in the upper upper leg. And I went to the beach where he was shot on. Mm. I went to Juneau Beach. I went to, to uh, uh, all the areas that he served in and came back a different person. Right. Rem- Remembrance Day, I'm mm. a different person. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, um, you know, that. And it, yeah, I mean, even like... Croatia, have you been there? I haven't. That's there's one cruise that covers one little area that I haven't got. Yeah, and it's it's a 14 day one, so it's a little bit longer jaunt than I usually go. It's an epic. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) 
Yeah. Um, but I mean, Dubrovnik and to, to go there and see the history is pretty incredible yeah. to, to know that, you know, just in the 90s, they got bombed. Yeah. Like, in, in the world, like, the UN was a thing. The world was around. Like, people were there. Broadcast, television. It was on the news. And it's getting bombed. Well, everything gets forgotten these days yeah. quickly. You yeah. Know, I, I was in Vegas three days after the, the country music shooting. 50 people. It, it's like it didn't happen. Mm. There's, there's 50 people gunned down a block away. Right. It doesn't happen. Do you, what do you think that is? Do you think that's because there's just... The, the cycle of news and the media is, is always just looking for the next thing and the next thing it's all about views and clicks and and we're you know we're just and I mean of course one part of it too is that positive news doesn't isn't news no no one stands in the middle of New York City and go hey 10 million people didn't die today like congrats yeah. everyone well the, the, the gun thing just seems to be one of those things that's never going to go away and the next one will be a hundred and it won't change anything mm. until I noticed uh you know, Arizona is still a cell phone legal state. It's 2019. What do you mean? You're allowed to drive. Oh, and, drive and talk. Yeah. So, yeah. so if you're talking, you're texting and all that, right? So, and you chat with people down there, and, and you know, there's there's four and a half million people. So four times the traffic, where they're allowed to to text and and drive on a cell yeah. on an eight lane highway. That's and insane. You, and you sit there and go crazy until last week a policeman was hit by a distracted driver. Right. So now the headline goes, "Oh, Arizona is thinking of changing that." It's the same thing. So yeah. until until somebody of import uh, importance is going to get gunned down, mm -hmm. you know. It's never gonna. Ha it's not gonna happen. It's yeah. just bizarre. It's 250 years. Well, we're we're <laughs> such a sensationalist, like overreactionary people. Like you know, something happens, and it, you know, like you said, if it happens to someone highly publicized, then then it's gonna Where make it an impact. Well, and you know, the the problem is too. Like when these things happen, literally the worst thing you can do is report on it. Yeah, because it only encourages copycat. Yeah events right like yeah. we're no, we're high insane. fidelity learning individuals we see things and then we learn and do like so you know when when high profile people commit suicide i mean the, to, to have that go around the world is one of the worst things they can do no, i'm with you yeah, but yeah. but i mean there is something to be said for for destigmatizing mental illness absolutely for sure like yeah i mean i think you know my problem is when i see people talk about it all the time and say it's okay we're, we're all going through this together i just don't see enough people like you were saying with the advertising okay what do we do about it though well it's here's like, some good news for you <laughs> we have donated through the john cameron changing lives foundation one million dollars mm -hmm. uh civically uh, the last one was two hundred twenty thousand dollars we're working with alberta mental health mm -hmm. and the royal alec foundation and we're building a special uh, area wing now where um, people who have problems can go to and be immediately looked after. Mm -hmm. Currently, if you walk into um, the Royal Alec uh, emergency, then you will wait generally mm -hmm. in, you know, to, to trauma. And you could wait there a long, long time, right? Or on the telephone to deal with. So now this new one will literally be uh, dedicated to mental illness, be, be looked after immediately and privately. Mm -hmm. So there won't be a giant waiting room where you're there for hours. So be welcome, come on in here and be looked after. Mm -hmm. So not only are we are part of donating to it, we'll be part of the building of it and the planning of it. Right. So there's there's your full <laughs> outcome. What, what's your what's your take on, on on the seeming rise in prevalence of it? Is it is it more reported now? Is it actually more prevalent? You know, what have you noticed in, in, you know, going through your life and now working with the younger generation? I think it was one of the quiet ones. As I grew up, a lot of uh, 
lot, a lot of problems were quiet. Mm-hmm. You know, you weren't allowed to speak about, mm-hmm. uh, often right inside the family. And you always had this doubt or look at somebody and say, oh, he, he's got a problem or she's got a problem. And we would wash it away. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think now that era is gone. I think, you know, and you're watching, you know, the hockey players with the concussions and things like this. Mm-hmm. Well, finally, they're listening. That's been going on <laughs> since day one when they didn't wear helmets. Right. But yeah, the, there's, there's the younger generation now does not have qualms about expressing their opinion about anything. Mm-hmm. Our generation was much more guard. We, we couldn't show weakness. Right. You know, um, and alcoholism was a good one. I mean, mm-hmm. I've lost a bunch of friends to it. And I look back now going, well, why didn't I do something? Yeah. You had know? we just talked about it? Like, yeah. Hey, man, like you seem to be having a bit of an issue with this. Yeah, you just lost your wife, you just lost your job. You you can talk to me, right? Mm -hmm. And it it just didn't happen. Now, at least, it seems to be happening in Mm -hmm. in a better. But again, you know, you watch someone, uh, you know, Marnie Panis, who's had the sex change, gets on there on Twitter and ends up having to fight. Who is this, Marnie Panis? She, very well-known, very high-profile, speaks for the government, literally just finished the final transformation from female to, or from male to female, Mm -hmm. and is a spokesperson for the, uh, I always get the LB, I can never get all the (laughs) LBGQT, and then there's like nine more. Correct, I'm not good at that. So she's the spokesperson, anytime there's something happened in television, the pride parades and things like that. Okay. But but sadly, when I watch her on Twitter, um, she has to fight everybody. Right. I mean, it's just, that's that gang on thing that I talked about. Mm-hmm. I go, ah, Marnie, I love you. You're, you're a rock star. You've gone through this toughest thing, but has to spend her whole day fighting idiots. And right. usually nameless, mm-hmm. you know, nameless or faceless. Yeah. That's what I think, think is bad about about. You know social media and trying to do good yeah i mean it's it's tough though like any that's that's atypical right and anytime something atypical happens like we question it right and we don't understand it and i mean you know someone having that transformation has got to expect like 99 percent of people aren't going to understand what you're going Absolutely. through so you've yeah. got to develop a thicker skin to a degree of being like hey like Either either ignore it or work to help change those opinions yeah. of it. But it's, it's a sad statement, but you're right. Yeah, I mean it's yeah. Yeah, it's tough. So I mean, I th- I think from my perspective, a lot of people, a lot of a lot of the change is good, but I think some of it's going too far. I yeah. think I think some of it is, you know, it's it's like okay, it, am I hurt? Am I is, is something hurting me or is it just an injury? Like yeah. when do I ignore it and it's just going to take care of itself, yeah. or when do I actually need to address something and and you know. I think sometimes things get overdressed, and yeah. and the more you think about it, the more you know you ruminate about it, and problems can just get worse and worse. Well, this this is a city of great leaders, mm. and my era is gone. I mean, there's most of my guys have, have stepped down or in the the you know the the end of their careers. There is a great need for for next gen leadership mm-hmm. to step up and do some dynamic changes in the city. And people get mad when I say that. <laughs> Some good friends. I said, "Well, no, I can name you the top twelve guys that ran this city right. for for decades." You know, so I think I think. You know, taking on and getting some new young leadership mm-hmm. into some of these boards and, and into responsible roles to do things is really, really key. What uh, what issues do you think are, are currently most pressing for this city? Wow, <laughs> how much time have we got? <laughs> we got as much time as you want to give me. 
Uh, I'm actually in a session on Monday with business leaders and I was pre-interviewed and I think the city's on a great roll. Mm -hmm. I really do. Uh, I think there's some really, really good things happening here. The, the oil thing, the pipeline thing has to get fixed one way or the other that this whole city is dependent one way or the other on that. Mm -hmm. And that and that's, you know, that's not civically, but it certainly affects almost every business in the city and, mm -hmm. and the jobs that people do and the roles that they have here. That's that's the big one. Other than that, I mean, it's it's just the growing pains. It's, I, I laugh at the LRT. I mean, it's taken forever and ever to go nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> So that's one you're not a big fan of. It it never went to the world's largest mall. Who yeah. missed that? Yeah. Okay. What in in thirty? But that's years, a plan, right? Like they're doing the Valley Line. It won't be in my life. And then the next segment. My 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 qualm with it is why are we spending over a billion dollars in an antiquated technology? Why are we not looking forward in the future and saying how can we set up this city for success? You yeah. Know, not just five years down the line, but twenty five. Yeah. And fifty, right? Like. Yeah. Do you think people are still going to be riding trains in 50 years? Like, I sure hope not. I sure hope we're on to magnetic levitation by that point, right? Like, It's funny. The, the great hype about, about electric, mm -hmm. and everybody seems to think that electric has taken over Europe. It hasn't. Mm -hmm. I mean, the penetration level is about 3%. So if we're growing at this rate... Cars? Yeah, electric. Yeah. Vehicles, whatever. Okay. Motorcycles, cars, yeah. trucks, whatever. That's the growth that this thing is going in in 10 years is 3% penetration of European electric. Mm -hmm. So how long is that going to take? We're going to need a pipeline for a good long time. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Regardless of the electric thing, right? right? Uh, but no, I, th I think there's good leadership in the city. I, I, I like Mayor Don Iveson. He was really helpful with the Jerry Forbes Center, right. as was uh, Tony Caterina and Amarji uh, uh, Soji were huge, both civically and with the feds. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't, it's a great place to live. I mean, I yeah. love Edmonton. I can, yeah, I can attest to that. Having lived in Vancouver, Calgary, London, Ontario, like, yeah. you know, it's just something about Edmonton that feels like home. It yeah, feels like a good place. And, and yeah, and I hope to, you know, one day have a family here. And so it's my, in my best interest to make this place as, as, as good <clears throat> and productive as possible as, as it can be. So, yeah. So. Well, I'm, I'm a grandpa, and I want the world a better place for my grandson. That's my goal. Yeah, fair enough. Well, Marty, I appreciate the time, and uh, you know, hope that your uh, your dreams for a, a better Edmonton and, and younger generation of leaders comes true. And I'm doing my part. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then you can just wipe your hands clean of it all and say, "Hey, get I'm, my cigar on the deck." Yeah. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Um, where can people find you online? Uh, my Twitter is MJ Forbes. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm on in Instagram, MJ Forbes 07, and on Facebook, and mforbes07 at shaw.ca. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't carry a website, I just don't want to maintain it and do yeah. a bunch of work on it. So, uh, about.me Forbes Marty is my bio. About.me is great. Yeah, I love I it. I use that for all our documentaries. Yeah, it's, it's I love a it. Perfect landing page. Nice and simple. Yeah, super <laughs> simple. Uh, any message to our buddy uh, Jim Jerome? Oh, well, you know what? I'm he's bang on by trying to find some distribution because mm -hmm. that's the whole key. He's got the content. He's got the world's best Rolodex dash contacts. Yeah. And and I loved working with him. I, the hardest part was trying to get his head wrapped around to what he should be asking. Yeah. Um, and I think if, if and we've lost it because I think Podbean took it off. But he asked my highlight was he asked Larry Robinson, uh, does it piss the old guys off? with the money the new guys are making. That's a great question. And I, th I thought it'd be like a, a 
one second answer. Larry Robinson, he went on 10 to 12 minutes with the most beautiful, <laughs> glib story of how hard it was to, to live in that era, what they did and the sacrifices for these kids and how they don't get it this today. It was just brilliant. Mm -hmm. So he has, he's got, you know, the greatest opportunity to do a gangbuster podcast. Mm -hmm. My, I, I got him into the, you know, the style and the programming of it and he's bang on i'm not i'm not the digital marketing guy at that level so i'm glad he's gone to that route i know the company that he's talking about it, mm -hmm. it is one of the biggest in the world yeah. i mean they can run radio commercials on any country in the world mm -hmm. so the opportunity is there so I, okay. jimmy keep going <laughs> yeah we're gonna we're gonna watch for and expect big things from him absolutely all right marty thanks again okay buddy thank See you. you later great to meet you podcast listeners as always thank you guys ever so much for listening to the show i'll put the links to marty and all his projects in the show notes uh, one final shout out to shaw business who sponsored this episode shaw business offers a whole suite of smart solutions to help power the entrepreneur they offer things like smart wi-fi smart surveillance smart security and many other super useful super smart tools uh, to keep your systems up and running so you can focus on what's important to learn more, visit shawbusiness.ca. Thanks again, everyone, and we'll see you next week.